Welcome to the Your Mom Has a Blog podcast. I'm Chad Edgington. And I'm Melissa Edgington. Here we are, day 22 of 31 for 31. 31 things to teach your kids in 31 days throughout the month of May. <laughs> Just had to make that rhyme, didn't you? Yeah, this is a big day when I see it on the calendar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's something special about this day. What? What could it be? Mm, is it San Jacinto Day? I don't no, think it, so. It's not Pentecost. Um, it's not Cinco de Mayo. It's not. No, we've already had that. <laughs> That's come and gone. Oh, I know what it is. I seem to remember on a beautiful day in May, way back in 1999, we were partying. Like it was 1999. We were. In the Fellowship Hall. Yeah, with no alcohol at all. The First Baptist Norman. <laughs> following our wedding. Yeah. Where we had a fire. Mm-hmm. That was exciting. One of my best friends, Scott, preached the sermon. Another guy named Scott was the best man. Yeah. We went down to the Fellowship Hall. We had the traditional Baptist Fellowship Hall wedding reception. We did. But we didn't have sherbet punch. Oh, we didn't? No. And that was a real fail. Why not? Well, because... It was out of vogue then? It well, it was the wrong color. Oh. You know? You know, color. Color's so we, what, did, what did we have? What, did we just drink ginger ale? No, it was a punch, but it looked kind of... It was kind of the color of champagne. Oh. Yeah. That's how Baptists get around that. <laughs> it was pineapple juice and ginger ale, probably. Okay. Well, that's still good. <laughs> But I love, a, you know, uh, we've done something recently up at the church where I did ask for the for the drink to be, what was that? Maybe our, was it a Christmas musical? Like maybe the reception after our kids did the, we do a traditional Christmas pageant. Did we, is that when we did? No, because we would have had Wassel. That was on Christmas Eve this year, so we didn't have a thing oh, afterward. Yeah, Some, sometime recently we've done the thing with the floating block of sherbet ice cream. Yeah, I can't remember what that was. I do remember that. Ooh, it's really good. I love that. I mean, that never, and the kids, you know, that we had to sort of bring that one back. Yeah. That's a retro punch. Right. It's like a Baptist, uh, retro Baptist thing, and the and, you know, the kids had never had it before, where right. you get this drink. And on top of it, floating on top of it is ice cream. Yeah. That's incredible. That's that you pretty get to amazing. Eat, you get to have that at church. That's a great invention. You can eat your drink. It's amazing. So, yeah, we did the fellowship hall. Then we got in the car and went to Granbury. Yeah. About an hour away for our honeymoon, which was two days. Yeah. Then we drove back to Nashville, and I, I went to work. And you started trying to find a job because we realized very quickly we were going to have no money. Yeah. And no way to eat. Yeah. And remember, you used to just kind of sit there at the the table, uh, you know, and we would just think about how poor we were. And, you know, things were so different then because the way you looked for a job a newspaper? was you looked in the newspaper. Yeah. You had to go get a newspaper. <laughs> Gosh, we're old. Yeah. Well, you know, I was thinking about, I was thinking about the fact that the, the president of our alma mater, Howard Payne, uh, is is resigning? Did you see that he's going to become the chancellor? Uh-uh, didn't see that. And what is and what is uh, Dr. Newberry is the chancellor emeritus? I mean, you know these guys they they yeah. kind of keep him around because they're good for ma- raising money. Yeah. But I was thinking, man, you know, this would be a great opportunity to get a president in there uh, who would be, 
you know, a, a conservative voice for for uh, strong expositional preaching, healthy churches, you know, start teaching these kids things they're going to need to know, especially in the ministry, or to be a church member, uh, things we didn't learn. But I was thinking about back, back, it was a different time. Yeah. You know, I think of all the things we need to learn now that are so crucial, we, we were kind of oblivious to them yeah. in the 90s. And, and that was the conclusion I came to today when I was thinking, I need to write somebody and ask if I can send a letter to the trustees of Howard Payne. And like give them my two cents. And I thought if I was going to write a letter to the people, you know, trying to explain my college, my desires for our college and my um, college experience, I would say I was going to start off like this. I was I was at school during the last months of the the pre-internet age. Yeah. Like the dark ages were coming to an end. Yeah. You know, we had high-speed internet, but there was really not much. I mean, there wasn't even, I don't even think there was Amazon.com. Like, yeah. th- there wasn't Google, because we used Yahoo. Yeah. And I remember I could search for things on Yahoo, but there's a lot of text. I mean, there was no, you, there was no YouTube. I mean, the internet was text. Yeah. You could find out stuff, and there were some places that had news. But mostly it was like email. We would email things back and forth, and that was like, the great thing about the internet was the email. Yeah. And just think how much things have changed since those days. You graduated, I'm 97, you graduated in 99. That's when we were married. And it was just a total, a different world, different concerns, different things that we focused on. The church, was, you know, the messaging was completely different. And I think things have gotten a lot better. Mm. And I think maybe, at least in part, that's because of the Internet. Because it exposed us as much as it exposed us to all the awful things in the world. Mm-hmm. It exposed us to people who were being faithful to exposit the scripture, like John MacArthur, John Piper, great teachers and theologians. Um, I think of R.C. Sproul and uh, all the resources that you can get on places like monergism.com and um, Sermon Audio. I remember, I remember discovering that sermonaudio.com where you could download there's thousands of sermons. And then you know what the question is, who do we listen to? Right. You know, so you know you go like, what's the number one downloaded sermon? You would just go to the very, you know, the top. Yeah. Who's everyone listening to? It was this dude Paul Washer. Yeah. You know, and then that <laughs> opened up. That opened up to a whole other world of preachers and and you know conference speakers and evangelism and all these things. So, you know, it was a different time. The world was totally, but I remember both worlds. And I think there were some really cool things about the end of the dark ages, you know? Yeah. I miss that time in a lot of ways. I miss the simplicity of it. Everything was so much, I don't know. It was nice not being so connected to everything all the time. Yeah. There weren't so many options. It was like, there's, there's about, three channels that you're allowed to watch, you know, and everybody was really watching the same stuff back in those days. I mean, everybody was watching the Duke boys, you know, it's like, we have all these things we're trying to show our kids or not show them. uh, Once we realized that everything we watched was garbage, Uh, you know, but it's just funny that my, my kids when I'll show them episode of the Duke boys, or we watched an episode of the A team the other day. And they were just like, so all these shows you watched, it was just like car chases. Like, yeah, 
like capers That's and what car a lot chases. Of the 80s was. Yeah, it was just yeah. a lot of car, car chases or boat chases. See, Miami Vice brought the boat chase. Right. In. <laughs> so it was just all, all those things. But yeah, it was a, it was a different a different time thinking back to 19. So as the as the world has totally changed, what's it's been awesome to figure the whole the new world out with you because you're so smart that you've helped me navigate it <laughs> and you also worked while i was in law school and that was i really appreciate you putting me through law school and uh i don't think i ever put you through anything because your dad paid for your master's degree because he felt sorry for you Thanks, being dad. married yeah being married he's like you know if, if I, I just feel so sorry for her being married to that guy <laughs> I know he's not going to want her to get a master's degree in English. <laughs> that wasn't true, though. But you, you, it's been, hasn't it been awesome? I mean, it's been, it's been awesome to see all the things that have changed. Like, and, and we have all these memories. Like, uh, you know, it's weird. We were married in 99, but by 2001, we were in Lubbock for 9 11. Yeah. You know, and, uh, and, and remember the Super Bowl of 1999. Where they lost by one, and remember home run throwback? We were watching that live. Remember the the, the playoff, the the Titans playoff game, oh. where they had the play where they were going to do oh, a, yeah. oh. a kickoff, and you know they threw yeah. the, they threw the ball this way, and they ran it all the way down. We were just jumping that up and so down. Fun. It was so fun. All these awesome moments, you know, having babies, the and just uh, you know, that's why I try to tell people this is some good life advice for you. Take it from a guy that's been married for 19 years. Count them. <laughs> that's one year shy of two full decades yeah I'm on, we're, we're almost there it's to say you think in your mind you think well I don't want to do that I don't want to do this I don't want to you know, when I tell people how long you have to go to school to, 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 do, to learn something that I basically feel like I was in school until I was 40 and, yeah. and, and, and just for except for a few years in there I, that's really true yeah you know um, but everything's a school like you're always learning Right. So you might as well be paying tuition and getting a degree for it. So, I mean, but the thing is, life goes on. Whether it was law school or seminary or master's degree in English at Tarleton, as we were doing these things, our life was still going on. Yeah. And so even if it takes a long time to complete something, in the middle of all that, you know, work and classes and all that, you're still is she crying? Okay, we're back. <laughs> I had to kind of take care of a yelling child. So what was going on in there? Um, she had slime. Okay. And she had dropped some slime. And she was worried about being on the carpet? Yes. And so my question was, why are you sitting up in bed with slime? Yeah. Answer? Because um, she's not tired. Oh, she's not tired. Well, it's only nine. Yeah. I mean, I'm not even tired yet. So, yeah. anyway, she's lying down with all of her animals now and all is well. Okay. The no slime sl- has been put away. All right, no slime. So, what I was saying is life goes on no matter what you're doing. Even the worst moments, there's even things to enjoy. Yeah. You know, so don't be afraid to, to, to tackle to tackle all those things and to just kind of take, you know, do do the, chase the dream, man. Chase yeah. the dream. And you know, one thing be about open. marriage is that. The most painful moments a lot of times are some of the sweetest moments that you look back on, you know, in your marriage where you have grown, where you've grown closer together, where you've grown spiritually. So 
there's always something good to look back on, even during the rough times. Yeah. So happy anniversary. Happy uh, anniversary. You know, it's been 20 years minus one. And I hope we, I hope this is just a, a, a launching off point to another glorious, you know, th- three or four more decades. Me too. It's possible, right? Yeah. We could be married 50 years. Is it possible? Of course. Okay. We just got to stay alive. Yeah. Hey, second day in a second second day in a row that Melissa ran and I didn't. But (laughs) I bought a jump rope today, and directly after this podcast, before I take a shower tonight, I'm going to go out and I've decided I'm going to listen to Christian reformed rap music. I'm going to go out there and get some reformed rappers rapping about justification and false teachers and all that, and I'm going to jump rope for three songs worth of rap music. Well, good. That's a start. Yeah. I hear rap, I hear, not rap music, but jumping rope, maybe not, maybe to any kind of music, uh, is a really good workout. Yeah. Because I, I have this, I, I feel, do you feel self-conscious when you run in the mornings? Like that someone looks out the window and is like, look at that. Because <laughs> I, I bet you look good when you run. I, would, I do not look good But I feel I like run. I would look like a giraffe running. That's like an awkward <laughs> creature running. I think I just look like, I think if people look out the window, they think, huh, I could walk beside her and keep up with her, (laughs) even though she's running. I'm very slow. Yeah, that's good. So. Well, that's good. I'm glad you're going to. I'm going to go skip some rope. So, um, you won't feel self-conscious jumping rope? No. uh, No, I don't think so. I'm just going to go out on the porch and get my, you know, get my phone, get Spotify or something, get some rap music going. And get pumped up. Get yeah, you know, just get get pumped up. So if you got any good uh, jump rope music to listen to for me, I'd appreciate that. Tonight we went out to dinner for our anniversary, and we had all three children with us. Date night with and, kids. <laughs> um, I was telling the kids that they were invited to celebrate our anniversary with us. Oh. And um, that they really needed to not mess it up. Okay. As we were walking in, I was saying that. I said, you're invited on our anniversary dinner date, so let's make it pleasant. Mm-hmm. And we went in there, and we sat down, and Cyrus said, Mama, do people still go on dates after they're married? <laughs> <laughs> and I thought... Not when they live this far hmm. away from grandparents. <laughs> well, he's 10 years old, and apparently he has never witnessed us going on a date. Well, he's just never known about it. I guess he's just never like we've thought never, about We've it. never said, hey, we're going on a date. That's true. You know, because I mean, they're probably always wondering, why are they locking us in the closet? <laughs> <laughs> we don't do we that, don't, y'all. That was a joke. That was a joke. That was a joke. <laughs> we, we, we leave them at grandparents' house, and then we just abscond for two weeks. You know what our, our dates are is just at night after the kids are in bed because yeah. we're night owls. Yes. That's, let, let me rail. Can, can I, y'all, can I rant for a minute? Please. <laughs> Will you just let me say something here? Because you just said something that touched my heart, and I want to talk about it for a minute. You know what I mean? Because what you just said, it struck a nerve. Right here, right here in that little area behind these ribs where my heart is, okay? And I want to tell you something. What you just said was music to my ears. People always say, you ought to go on date nights. You ought to go on date nights, date nights. What do you, what do you do on a date night? 
It's like the one time in a month that you go out and you sit across from each other at a restaurant and you don't even know what to talk about because you never talk to each other. That's stupid. <laughs> Y'all can get on the bandwagon with old Chad here. Here's how Chad does it. Every night, I'm romancing my wife watching BBC drama. You think I like cost? You think I like Little Women? You think you do? Well, why did Beth have to die? <laughs> well, no. So, so here's what happens: the first three out, the first two and a half hours of this movie, you're watching a three-hour movie about four sisters, and nothing happens except their dad gets sick and one of the daughters gets sick. So you're pretty sure the worst thing that's going to happen here is fever. You know, I mean, it's during the Civil War and nobody dies. Like no one goes off to war. And I mean, I think that one guy got shot, but he comes home and everybody's happy. And yeah, John, yeah. you know, Bonnie, John. So, you know, and then and then all of a sudden it's like Beth looks at one of the sisters, you know, that that they're all very similar. And she looks at one of the sisters and says, um, I'm dying, you know, or kind of intimates it. And then, and the next, like five minutes later, she's wheezing on her deathbed. And I'm, and I'm supposed to be cool with this? <laughs> I was not ready for that. It was sad. Oh. But anyway, that's romance, but guys. But you are certainly the only English major in this world. That never read who that. Who did not know that Beth dies in Little Women. I never had to read that. When, what class would you have read Little Women in? I don't know. I read I read Little Women when I was in uh, high school. Yeah, well, I, would, I you know I didn't read per se <laughs> in high school. I mean, if I read stuff, it was like autobiographies of mob bosses. Like I was, it was not good literature. <laughs> I just majored in English because I knew the language already. Okay, That's, <laughs> it's like yeah, I know a lot of English. I know most of the words. I understand how to make all the letters with my mouth. Can ride it pretty well. Oh man, that's a you know another great thing that's come along in twenty years is spell check. Yeah, it's been incredible. Yeah, so I, I don't know, but I, I'm just saying when we spend a couple of hours, of course, what 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 it means when you spend a couple of hours dating your wife after the kids go to bed, um, it means that you're tired all day the next day. But that's what I do for love, baby. <laughs> I'm willing to basically be a zombie <laughs> all day so I can hang out with you at night. Thanks. I appreciate it. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I you know, I have a hard time, as I've said before, pulling an all day or like even t- today when we were sitting out waiting for dance, I fell asleep in the, yeah, I've just fell you asleep. You don't get through most days without a nap. Yeah. I, I just need a little time, a little nappy poo, <laughs> just a little nappy poo. Because, you know, my eyes hurt. Do your eyes hurt? Yeah, sometimes. I mean, I feel like I just look at screens or books or phones or screens. I w- you know, that's a nice thing about having a job where it's not screen related. Like you have, you can't, you can't stop learning when you're a pastor. So you're always looking at things. It makes my eyes tired. Yeah. Tired eyes. Droopy. And so I need a little nap, a little power nap. Yeah. And then I'm re- then I'm ready to go for another two or three hours till I fall asleep again. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. I haven't, haven't slept well at night for a while. Oh, oh, so we, okay, oh, so gosh. a couple of days ago, <laughs> a 
a couple of days ago on the podcast, you will remember that Chad berated me for being so selfish that I would not switch sides of the bed with him whenever his arm is hurting. And y'all know what I learned? I learned I was actually sleeping on the good side of the bed. So we for two nights, actually one and a half nights, we tried it. <laughs> and last night, in the middle of the night... I was like, can we switch back, please? He said... He said, uh, do you like sleeping on that side? <laughs> and I said, well, what do you want to do? I don't know. I just feel more comfortable over there. I just, and I said, okay, let's switch. And he went. You can't say <laughs> what I told you in the middle of the night. That's sweet nothings. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's sweet nothings. Now they're going to think it's something bad. Well, that's, they'll just have to leave it up to their imagination. <laughs> but let, let's just say by the, by, it took about, it took, for us to switch, it took a little time, more time. I thought it would just be sort of like a, let me jump over there and you roll under here. And then, but there was the phone chargers. The phone chargers had to be. And the pillows had to be switched. And the pillows. And, and, yeah. Yeah. And then by that time you realize, oh, that's a better tinkle. <laughs> so. But then once I settled back into my side, I was like, you know, it's worth the pain. I'm cool with my arms tingling all day I, if I, I can really, sleep here. I mean, I like my side so much better, but I was willing to, you know. You were a good sport. I thank, was going to sleep you. on my left side for you. Thank which, you for the sacrifice. Yeah. Well, hey, let's get into our topic tonight. What is our, what's our topic? Let's do. Okay, One, so. This is day 22. Number 22, things you should teach your kids. This one is teach them that God is in control. Ooh, when you said that, you know, I had a, had a, had a memory of, of a music video. You know what it was? God what is, is in control. control. We believe that people forsaken. God is in control. I just saw that not long ago. With her dancing moves? Twyla Paris. But she, but she like had one dancing move through the whole video. Yeah, she did. God is in control. You know, and she's got some good theology. Do you notice that we sang one of her songs at T4G? Like no, of all which one the, was it? I don't remember, but it was it was like a Twyla song. Really? And like God is in control. That's a like yeah. no nobody was saying that in 1991, but Twyla. That's true. So she was a to, you know she was a total throwback. Everybody was like friends are friends forever, and Twyla's like bring here's some theology, y'all. <laughs> it's like I know and I got I know I got one dance move, but she could dance. Well, she couldn't dance, <laughs> but you know that means a lot to a Baptist. <laughs> People are like, oh, is it true that Baptists don't dance? No. The truth is we can't dance. It's worse than that. We're not, we're, we're bad at it. That's why I they remember, are. I uh, remember the big controversy whenever Amy Grant put out her secular record. Oh, she went secular, man. Oh, my goodness. And yeah. I was so mad at everybody because I was a loyal baby, Amy Grant fan. The baby baby? Yeah. And she was like running around, and prancing listen, around. I remember the day that album came out, I was at an acting convention. And they were, were they, were they, were they just slaughtering her? I was at the state act team convention the day that album came out. For those of you who don't know what act teens are, uh, it's sort of a missions education program that was popular in Southern Baptist churches from maybe the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, and then they don't do it anymore. Uh, maybe some people still do it. Yeah, it's. But it's, Melissa went all the way in act teen. She, she made it to Queen Regent. No, Is that what you were? service aid. Service aid? <laughs> So uh, what are the what are the steps okay, listen, of, what are the steps you, of it? You are a true Baptist girl. 
if you started off in Mission Friends. Mission Friends. And you made it all the way to service aid and acting. To GAs. Yeah. What were, what were the steps of, what did you, what were the steps? Do you remember what they were? For acting? Yeah. Um, okay, it was queen. queen. And, and you were coronated when you became a queen, right? You all had a coronation service? Yes. In, on so, like a Sunday night so at So at, at every service each year you earned it like you had, one year was the crown, one year was the cape, one year was the scepter, you know, so on. That's so awesome. So you, Why don't we do that anymore? I don't know. So you start <laughs> out as queen, then you're queen with a scepter, then you're queen regent, mm-hmm. then you're... Um, Queen Regent and Service. Queen Regent and Service. Then your Service Aid. See, it seems like Service Aid would be the lowest one. Maybe that's why they did it that way. Yeah. Like when you go all the way to the top, you're just and a servant. And then you're a foot washer yeah. at the end. Yes. Well played. <laughs> well played, Executive Board of the Southern Baptist Convention. <laughs> Appreciate your, your mission education. And we don't do that anymore in our... And apparently, the whole Southern Baptist Convention is in shambles. Maybe it's because we don't do GAs anymore. We need Actines back. We need Actines back. So you were at the Actine State Convention when Bama, 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 and Devotion. Yeah, so everybody was talking about it. But see, I had already, like, I had my copy of it reserved at Sam Goody or something, like, at a record store. I already had it waiting for me for when I got home. I'm going to go, and you're like, I'm going to go get, I have a copy reserved just so I can burn it. (laughs) No way. I was was just saying to people, just lay off of Amy, okay? Leave Amy Grant alone. She is going to reach like a whole other group of people with this record. That's what (laughs) I was saying. Yeah, you were just being real. I was defending Amy. Oh, that's good. Wow. Okay, 25 minutes. All right, let's get to it. How did we go over Twyla? Twyla. Twyla was our jumping off point there. Yeah. God, God is, in control. is in control. He will. Do you remember we, the line? We believe that his children will not be forsaken. We believe that his children will not be forsaken. What's after that? God is in control. No, no. It's something. Da, 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 da. We know. Yeah. Whoa. God is in control. <laughs> Let's do the harmony. Ready? I'll do the harmony. Ready? Whoa, God, God is, is in control. control. It's too low for me. God is in control. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay, moving on. All right, so teach your kids that God is, is in, in control. control. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> All right, so I had a I had an interesting um, convo. And <laughs> 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 a little convo with my son. So... Yesterday, I was content just to let the girls play in the house, play Monopoly, but I made the boy work all day with me. I was lonely. I was like, "Sorry, aren't you going to come help me?" He's like, "Well, they're playing the, they're playing that new Monopoly game in there." And I was like, "Yeah, but don't you want to wash cars?" You know, he's like so awesome. He's like, "Well, yeah, well, I want to wash cars." But I knew he didn't want to wash cars, so we were out there washing, and I was like, "You know." um, you know what the best part about washing the minivan is? So we're washing the minivan. He's like, well, I kind of like the best part of it for me is getting to walk around on my bare feet on wet concrete. I was like, well, that is a good feeling. But you know what the best part is, what we're really doing here? And he guessed a few other things. We're listening to sermons? Well, yeah, we're doing that. So the best thing is you're serving mama by washing her car. 
We're getting her. And then, and then when I gave him the vacuum after he had that in mind, man, he was just going to town. He was oh trying to get every gosh, little thing. He's so sweet. Yeah, he's a sweetie. He's wanted that car to be clean <clears throat> for you. So clean that we even took the gorilla tape and we put it in our in our hands in a loop and we got all the cat hair off. You know, sometimes the cat sneaks in the van yeah. when y'all leave the door open all night. I wonder why. I don't understand. What, I don't know how, why that happens, but it does. So we got all every little bit of, of uh, cat hair and debris out of there. But anyway, while we were doing that, I was listening to this sermon. I don't even know who the dude was. I don't even. I don't remember. I was. Li- I clicked on it because it was a a text I wanted to hear preached on, and. Uh, I was listening to this guy's sermon. It was recorded in 1989, and this guy was hollering and screaming, and Sawyer said, you know, Daddy, he really sounds professional. (laughs) And I said, well, do I sound professional when I preach? He said, in your own way, you you sound sound professional. But he he sounds professional like old people would want to hear what he has to say. And I said, well, he's saying some good stuff there. And as he was, this guy was preaching, he was talking about how, Jesus was arrested. And so Jesus is being arrested. And the multitude with their swords and their staffs come at Jesus. And he says, who are you looking? He says, who are you looking for? You know, and they say, we're looking for Jesus. And he says, I'm he. I am. And when he says this, they all fall down. You familiar with that story? Mm -hmm. They all fall down. And there might have been as many as 600 there, Mm -hmm. soldiers and and Sanhedrin and all this, fall down. And then they get back up, and he Mm -hmm. asks them the question again and says, you know, I'm... And then then Judas, who's possessed by Satan himself, so Satan possessing Judas says, arrest him, take him away safely. Jesus tells the guards, okay, what you've come to do, what you're lawfully authorized to do, do it. And I was telling Sawyer, he was like, well, why is he saying this or why is he saying that? He was listening to that portion of the sermon as we were scrubbing the car down. He said, why, why, did, he, why did they all fall down? You know, why, why? I don't understand because I was, he said, what? And I said, they all, when he said his, that he said, I am him, they all fell down. Well, why? And I said, here's why. Because even in that moment, in the, in the worst moment of the worst thing you could ever think happening, a perfectly innocent person who's never done anything wrong is about to be arrested and taken away and in about you know nine hours' time is going to be dead. It's horrific and we can't hardly even imagine what that would have been like. But even in that terrible moment, the worst moment in human history, the, gr- the greatest moment of injustice, as a Sawyer, God was in control. Hmm. Jesus was still calling the shots. Yes. That will be featured in my sermon Sunday. <laughs> but that's an important thing to understand about Gethsemane. But it's also an important thing to teach your children. Yeah. That no matter what's happening, God's in control. Right. Even when something bad's happening, we, we teach them God's in control. Because what's the alternative? Right. Who is in control? Yeah. If God's not in control... Then nobody's in control. Yeah, and that's or scary. Or Satan's in control, or you're in control. Yeah. Like every other option besides, once God is no longer God, you don't have a God. Like the, the definition of God, I was talking with Ryan Bishop about this today, a listener, very uh, a very seldom listener to the podcast, I'll have to say about <laughs> Ryan. But he was saying, you know, when you look at these instances where God's sovereignty is really being spelled out, 
in the plainest of terms in mm-hmm. the New Testament, where it's unmistakable, though people don't want to see it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's in the context of him quoting Exodus, and he's, and he's showing them he's going to do something so they will know he is God. Right. <clears throat> What's the most God thing you can be is to be in control of everything. Right. That's really, if you're not in control of everything, I would say that's kind of definitional to being God. If you cease to be in control of everything, you're not God anymore. Yeah. So as, as that teaching has, a, has kind of a hard component, if you focus on, I don't know, uh, the, I guess people focus on the problems of that, you know, well, then why are bad things happening? Well, look, that's not, <laughs> that's not the question. Uh, the question is, will you trust God's wisdom? Mm. You know, when in the midst of the bad things happening... We don't question God's righteousness or his wisdom. The way that we show we believe and we trust him is we, we, we uh, acknowledge that even though the circumstance is terrible, we're trusting that God has a plan, that God has something good for those who love him, who are called according to his purposes, and that he does everything for a, for a good reason in the end. All right. And, uh, that he, and then we teach him that he loves his children. And, you know, we can piggyback a lot of theological ideas off that, but you have to really start with he's in control. Yeah. I think there are three three basics that you need to start with with your kids from the earliest age. I mean, whenever they're just beginning to understand language, that is God is in control. We can trust him and he is good. Mm, yeah. And those three things really need to go hand in hand whenever you're teaching about God's sovereignty to your children. Because... There are a lot of things that happen that we don't understand, that we can't see clearly how they could ever be good or how they could ever be um, beneficial to us or to someone we know. But if we hold those three truths together and we teach them to our children, God is in control, we can trust him and he is good. Yeah. And in the midst of those tragedies, I mean, that's the, the worst time to, to say certain things, you know. It, I don't know if someone's really suffering and really grieving to walk in and say, well, you know, God has a plan for this. Uh, that's not really on their heart. That's, you know, that's, that's a truth that we all should acknowledge, just like we acknowledge we need air to breathe. Right. Like we know God, I mean, even, even for those who take a, a, a weaker view of God's sovereignty, which doesn't even make any sense. They say God is sovereign, but they really don't believe it because uh, they'll deny he's in control of things. They'll be yeah. like, well, you know, that tornado was not God's will. And you're like, well, really? So, I mean, a tornado was was able to operate outside of the will of God? That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, you say, you know, we, we understand that in the essence of his being God, he's even in control of weather patterns. Right. Are you saying Jesus is in control of weather? Yes, I'm saying that he can command storms. We see evidence of this in the New Testament where yeah. he can tell them what to do. That is, a, I mean, how can that be a disputed fact when we see it happen in the Bible? Because people would say, why would God allow it? I mean, it always comes back to why would God allow a soon? I mean, and we think of tornadoes that kill, you know, two people. There was, this is the week, the anniversary week of the 1951 tornado in Olney, I saw two people were killed, 54 injured, so many houses wiped out. And we, we just can't fathom why this would have been allowed to happen. We think of that tsunami that took place, I think in 2004 mm. or whenever that was. Yeah, that was terrible. Where a quarter of a million people wiped out by a wave. Yeah. And you think, well, was that wave more powerful than God? Could he have not stopped it? Why didn't he stop it? You start, you know, you, these are the questions that 
that we're not going to be able to answer on the Your Mom Has a Blog podcast because I don't know that we're given the answer. We are God. Yeah, we're we're not, we're not God. We, <laughs> and so we just we take it as a fact that if He wanted to have stopped that wave, and we take it as a fact that even in the midst of uh, thousands of deaths, even in the midst of people surviving miraculously, He was in there. He was working. He was doing whatever He does for whatever reason He does it. Right. And and it is not our right as fellow pots to to question. What God does. Mm-hmm. I mean, when, when when do your children really need to trust you the most? Often it's times when they don't understand what's happening. Right. You're telling them to do something they don't want to do. You know, you, you need this shot. I'm going to have to hold you down. They're resisting it. But it's what they need to get better. They need this test. That they're confused. And you're saying, listen, it's all going to be okay. Trust me. Yeah. You know? And that's sometimes that's all that you have to hang on to is the fact that uh, this person's telling me it's going to be okay. I have to tr- trust them. I have to trust that they're wiser than me. That's where we are. That's where we because we're not God. Right. And that's always been our problem as human beings. That's what the whole story of the Garden of Eden is about. Is that the temptation for them was to be like God, mm-hmm. you know, and for him not to have anything on them or know anything that they don't know or be able to experience things they're not experiencing. Right. But that's when we just stop and say, I have to trust the Lord Yeah. Uh, in those, in those difficult situations. So I mean, you teach them God is in control. We can trust him. We can trust him. And, and he's good. And he's good. And, and people say, well, I, I, the objection is, well, I don't see how God, how God could be good if he let this happen. And the, the answer to that objection is, just because you can't think of a way doesn't mean that there isn't a way. Right. Just because you can't think of a way this is good doesn't mean there isn't a way that this is good. Um, you're thinking too much of yourself and too much of your knowledge and too much of your wisdom. And, and you know, that's, those, are tough, those are tough objections to answer because I think they're ultimately unsatisfying. Yeah. But we shouldn't be satisfied in answers or working things out logically. I think our satisfaction comes in that we have forgiveness. We have a relationship with Jesus Christ. We know the the sweetness of fellowshipping with the body of Christ. And in our times where we're confused or we're tempted to doubt, that's why we have each other to remind each other, hey, persevere, stick with this. Yeah, and we're not going to have the the faith to trust God in our own power. When we are feeling weak and we are feeling um, that disbelief creep in, you know, I mean, think about the father who came to Jesus asking for healing for his daughter. He came to Jesus really believing that Jesus could do it. And yet in that moment, whenever um, Jesus was talking to him, he cried out, help me in my unbelief, Unbelief. because even then he was struggling with really believing, you know, that Jesus was good and that he could accomplish good in the situation. And there are times whenever we have to cry out to God in the same way and say, God, I trust you. Help me in my unbelief. Give Mm -hmm. me the faith to trust you and to know that you're good, even in the face of this terrible thing. And what a great lesson to teach your kids that, I mean, that, that, that he's in control and, and that's, that they see that's your prayer. That's your cry. That's what you're praying with them through the the terrible times, and 
that's what they will hold on to as they are adults. And and if you're if you're trying if your goal in teaching your children all of these things, which I hope it will be if you're a Christian family, if your goal is to establish that biblical worldview in your children where they're seeing things through spiritual eyes, this is a major, major first step because it is the way that you will teach your children to interpret everything that they're seeing around them in the world. And how they read the Bible. Exactly. <laughs> And we just recently, you know, I had a conversation with our 13-year-old because she's got some circumstances that have come up with her dancing, which dancing is a major part of her life. And um, there's a little bit of, of a question about what the future of her dancing is going to be. And we were kind of hashing it out and thinking of all the different options, you know. And finally, I just said, you know what, we're just going to trust God and just trust his plan in this and however it works out, then we will know that is how he intended for it to work out and that it will be the best thing. Yeah. And if you can't dance, you can always play golf. That's what I'll say. <laughs> so there are a lot of opportunities to talk to your kids in this way mm-hmm. and to, you know, if you are looking at your circumstances through a biblical lens and you're thinking of things in this way of knowing everything that happens, you know, I, I like, I, I can't remember who said it now, but it was the idea that everything that happens sifts through God's fingers like sand. Mm. And I think if we can think of life circumstances in that way, there's a great comfort in it because I hate the idea that there isn't a reason for yeah. things to happen. Yeah. And there, there's a there's a popular, you know, worldly idea out there that not everything happens for a reason. Well, a worldly, I, worldly idea. That, That's a, the, there's Christians that I've heard that preached before. I know. What a terrible, what cold comfort. Well, all your sufferings for no reason. To me, that is the most mm. despairing um, point of view that you can possibly have is to think that some tragedy that's come to your life has happened for no reason at all. Mm-hmm. And so if you are looking at your circumstances and saying, I know that every single thing that happens in my life has sifted through God's fingers like sand. None of it has escaped his attention and none of it has ever been out of his control. That is how I can face you know, the hard times, babies dying in the womb and these things that happen is you can say, you know what, God, you're in control, I trust you, and you're good, and I'm going to hang on to that. Amen. Good word. Well, we've gone way over time, so we should wrap this sucker up. Okay. So we will see you tomorrow night uh, on 31 for 31 May Madness. Have a great, what is this, Tuesday? Tuesday. Have a great Taco Tuesday. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye.